Hey there, Gen Xers. Introducing a new game called The Power Struggle. Try to correctly identify these five clips in order, and I'll be right back to tell you all about the details of the new game. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Are you suggesting that I'm not who I say I am? I'm suggesting that you leave before I have to get snooty. He tasks me, and I shall have him. I have to push the Pramalot. And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, a trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I'm Zave, your host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for fabulous prizes and in the process do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading into oblivion. We're so happy that you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. This episode, I am super excited to have these two Gen Xers share their memories of our generation. There's something here for everyone, I hope. But if you like reminiscing about Saturday Night Live, Star Trek The Next Generation, or the TV shows Happy Days and Quantum Leap, then this episode is one you might especially like. Especially like... We're going to save Gen X for future generations today with the material we cover with this husband and wife team. Please welcome to the show the two hosts of a nostalgia podcast with the best theme music around. It's called Stop Ruining My Childhood. Let's first meet Megan. Hi, Megan. Hi. I'm so excited to be here. Steve has an almost perfect memory, but the almost, that's where I'm going to have to try to get him. We'll see if Steve's memory can hold up here. But before we do, let's first meet him. Let's also welcome... Megan's husband and co-host on the show, Steve. Hey, Steve. Hey there, everybody. I'm Steve. I don't know if my memory is quite that perfect anymore. I'm getting a little too old. But the good thing is, is, you know, I am married to my competitor. So if I lose, then I'll just divorce her. You are reckless. <laughs> I thought you were going to say we'd share a prize, but that's fine. Oh, sorry. All right, then. This is the, the highest stakes <laughs> game we've ever had on the show. This is exciting. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> No pressure, Megan. I know, right? Yeah. I didn't know my marriage would be on the line with questions about <laughs> SNL. We don't play games here. <laughs> yeah. But before oh, we goodness. meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of games. The winner of each of the first two rounds will receive an advantage in the following round, and the player who wins round three will win a chance at today's fabulous prize. The prize vault this episode is so good that if it were Charmin, you couldn't help but want to squeeze it. Mr. Whipple, please don't squeeze the Charmin. Before we start playing, I'd like to remind you that we are still continuing with our new game here on the podcast. We've added a new rule to the game. It's sort of a, a, a game within a game, if you will. The new rule is called The Power Struggle. The Power Struggle. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. And the game is you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. The wrinkle here is that at any time during the show, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle question. They only get one chance to answer correctly. And if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power from their opponent. The power struggle can only be solved once per episode and by only one player. So it becomes strategic on when and if you choose to solve it. There's no penalty if you get it wrong. But if a guest gets it wrong here on the show, 
then we're going to open it up to you, the listener, to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. The very first person to contact the show who can correctly identify the clips in the correct order will win a prize package from the podcast. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying that you are doing your part to save Generation X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going up on our Gen X Wall of Fame. And finally, the best item in the prize package is an offer for a free Boba Fett action figure with rocket firing backpack. You'll shoot your eye out, kid. You'll just need to send four proof of purchases to the provided address. Some conditions may apply here. You'll have to read the fine print. But as a bonus, we'll also be sending you your choice of any of our Who Will Save Generation X t-shirts from our merch store. If Megan and Steve do not get the power struggle question correct by the end of this episode, then I'll explain how you can send in your entry and try and win the prize package. So we'll play the clip a couple of times during the episode. So listen close and see if you can win the power struggle. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have the first game of the day. It's a game we call The Facts of Life. The time is right to learn the facts of life. In this game, we take the top 10 crowdsourced opinions about a topic, and players must compete to identify them on the top 10 list. An incorrect answer will get you a strike, and the player that gets three strikes loses the round. The winner of round one will be awarded the power. The power which allows the player who has it to go first in each step of the game. So no points are awarded in round one, but having the power is a big advantage throughout the game because it lets you go first all the time. And who doesn't like to go first? Live from New York, it's Saturday night! The 1990s for Saturday Night Live were just as crazy as the 80s had been. As the NBC executives continued to mess with the show's content and got rid of cast members that they didn't like, Lauren Michaels stood his ground and continued to get some fresh talent. The cast of Saturday Night Live in the 90s was full of great talent and funny people who would go down in history as some of the best comedians of all time. But which 90s SNL cast members were the greatest? This episode's Facts of Life list asks... Who are the greatest Saturday Night Live cast members of the 1990s? This list was curated by over 11,000 votes of your peers. But as always, I'm sure your personal list might look different than this one does. So don't hate me if you don't like the list. The list rules are that these are all cast members of SNL at some point during the 1990s, but many got their start in the 80s on the show, and several ended their tenure in the 2000s. So tell me, guys. Who are the greatest cast members of Saturday Night Live from the 1990s? We played a cutthroat game of Monopoly backstage to see who goes first, and Megan bankrupted Steve right before the table was flipped over in anger, and all the pieces were on the green room floor, just as all good games of Monopoly should end. So, Megan, you get to go first. What is your first name to go on the list? My first name is I Need More Cowbell. Will Ferrell. But the last time I checked, we don't have a whole lot of songs that feature the cowbell. I gotta have more cowbell, baby. <laughs> number one on the survey. Well done, Megan. Right off the bat, you got number one. Yeah, Will Ferrell was on the show from 1995 to 2002. Okay, Steve, what do you got? I have to go with probably one of the greatest um, and taken away before his time, but Chris Farley. I am 35 years old. I am divorced, and I live in a van down by the river. Chris Farley, number two on the survey. So you guys got number one and number two. You're right. RIP Chris Farley. He was only on the show for five years, but he definitely made his mark from 1990 to 1995. Okay, no strikes so far. 
Megan, back to you. All right. My next answer is Chris Farley's buddy, Adam Sandler. Put on your yarmulke. Here comes Hanukkah. The owner of the Seattle Supersonica. Celebrate Hanukkah. The Sandman, number six on the survey. Well done. He was on the show from 1990 to 1995 as well. They they were on the exact same times, the same amount of years. Well, well remembered. And I think fired the same day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Still perfect in this game. Steve, what's your next name? I have to go with Chris Farley's other buddy, David Spade. David Spade, number 13 on the survey. So just outside the top 10. Okay. Oh. So that's your first strike. No pressure still. Plenty of game left. Megan, can you take advantage? We don't have a lady on the list yet. I think she was on in the 90s, and I'm going to go with Tina Fey. Tina Fey? Not on the survey. I think she came in in the 2000s. In the 2000s? Yeah, she was in the 90s, baby. Anyway, she Mm. made most of her mark in the 2000s anyway, so it gives you a little bit of insight to this list. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, you tied it up, Steve, with one strike apiece. What's your next name? Sticking with the theme, I will go with a lady, and I'm going to go with Molly Shannon. Also with the theme, she's outside the top 10. Oh, come on. She was number 12. So close. All right. So Megan, no pressure on you. Only one strike. Okay. I think that he was on still in the 1990s. Again, someone we lost too early and somebody I think is underrated. And that is Phil Hartman. Uh, Sir, we've only been jogging for three blocks. (laughs) Besides, Mrs. Clinton asked us not to let you into any more fast food places. But please don't tell Mrs. Clinton. Jim. Let me tell you something. There's going to be a whole bunch of things we don't tell, Mrs. Clinton. Fast food is the least of our worries. Okay, buddy. The beloved Phil Hartman was on from the 1986 to 1994. You're right, Megan. He was uh, a treasure. And his name seems to be lost in a lot, of, a lot of these great comedian lists that you see floating around on the internet. Four names down. Here's the situation, Steve. You got two strikes. There are plenty of names left on here. You should easily be able to get this. No pressure. But if you get this okay. wrong. Well, I better be prudent then. And I have to go with Dana Carvey. Well, isn't that special? That Mm -hmm. was indeed a prudence guess. He's number three on the survey. You're still alive, Steve. Well done. Megan, back to you. I am going to go with a comedian I think did better after SNL, and that is Chris Rock. First of all, Columbus discovered the West Indies. Second of all, the land he discovered had occupants on it. You know, that's kind of like discovering somebody's backyard. (laughs) So when you think about it real hard, all Columbus did was discover a West Indian backyard. He got there with his little flag. He's like, hey, I claim this land for Spain. And the West Indian guy's like, hey, man, get your damn flag out my yard now. Move it now. Chris Rock is correct. Again, he was number eight on the survey. He was on the show from 1990 to 1993. You're right. He had a very short span on SNL, but he's gone on to do some great things. Four names remain, Steve. You're in the same predicament as before. You're down to your last strike. Still some iconic names uh, left on the survey. I already went with earlier Dana Carvey. I got to go with his Wayne World counterpart, Wayne's World's Mike Myers. It's Friday. It's 1030. It's time to party. I'm your excellent host, Wayne Campbell. With me, as always, is Garth. Party on, Wayne. Party on, Garth. Mike Myers, number five on the survey. Well done. He's on there from 1989 to 1995. Back to you, Megan. It's going to get a little bit more difficult now. There's only three names left on the list. You have a strike to spare. Let's see if you can get one and put the pressure on Steve. Okay. 
All right. Well, Molly Shannon was on the list, and we're going to go with another uh, woman. I don't know if she'll be on there. Sherry O'Terry. Sherry O'Terry, number 11 on the list. These go to 11. Oh, no. So close. Yeah. Mm. How do you like the teens? (laughs) So close yet so far. Oh, man. So now you got two strikes. It's two Mm. strikes apiece. It's winner take all. Winner go home. All the uh, cliches you can come up with, Steve. All right. This might be the one that sends me home, but I got to try for the ladies again. I'm going to go with Victoria Jackson. Let me scroll to page number two. Victoria Jackson was number 28 on Come the on. Survey. Where's the love for the ladies on SNL? No doubt, <laughs> right? Who are these misogynists making this list? There's 11,000 uh, dudes out there voting for their own gender here. So that means, Megan... Congratulations, you've won round one, and that means you have the power. The power is yours. Let's go down the list here. Yeah, there were no ladies in the top 10. Can you believe that? If this was a a list of the 70s or 80s, I'm sure there would have been plenty of ladies, but I don't know why. There's some great talent in the 90s as well from women on the show. So number one was Chris Farley. Two was Will Ferrell. Three, Dana Carvey. Four, Phil Hartman. Five, Mike Myers. Number six was Adam Sandler. Seven, you guys did not get, which was Norm MacDonald. Mm. Eight, you got was Chris Rock. Number nine, the elder statesman of the show on SNL from 1986 to 1995, Kevin Nealon. He might have been more associated with the 80s, maybe. I don't know. And then to round out the top 10, we have Tim Meadows, who's on the show from 91 to 2000. That was my next guest. Mine as well. Why did I sign a 30-year contract? (laughs) (laughs) It takes a lot to get them right when you're Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. That is, apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Please welcome to the show, Megan. Please tell us a little bit about yourself and please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. Hi, everybody. I'm Megan. I teach English at a small community college. I'm also an author and a former publisher. My Gen X qualifiers, I once dressed up as Laura Ingalls for my school photo, and I still have my bonnet. (laughs) Listeners, I can uh, witness and testify to this pink bonnet on her head. You look just like Laura Ingalls Wilder with that on, I gotta say. Exactly. I had a calico dress, the braids and everything. It was, it's kind of sad. I also still have my strawberry shortcake lunchbox and my babysitter club set of books. Um, My potential disqualifiers are that I was a weird kid. I didn't listen to much music except for the music my parents liked, which was like Bee Gees, Beatles, and the Beach Boys. So I don't know much about Madonna or Michael Jackson or any of that. Well, it's a good thing we don't have any music on this episode of the podcast, but that's all boomer music. 
I mean, yeah. I liked a lot of that too. My my bro- my oldest brother was a boomer or is a boomer. And he, we had to listen to nothing but uh, Beach Boys and the Monkees and uh, a lot of Carpenters music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was his jam. So he was driving the truck. So we that became our jams too. So I feel you. Thanks so much for being on the show, Megan. Let's now meet your husband. Hi, Steve. Please also tell us your Gen X credentials and your potential disqualifiers. My name is Steve and I am a consultant for the government. I am an FBI agent. I am also an author and a dungeon master, which should just qualify me right off the bat. Um, But my Gen X qualifier would be uh, when I was a young adolescent, like 11 or 12, I allowed a girl that I had a crush on to convince me to learn all the moves from Dirty Dancing, the movie. I I likened myself a young Patrick Swayze. And my Gen Gen X disqualifier is I never actually watched The Simpsons when they first came out in the 90s. Because my parents thought that they were disrespectful, so they didn't let us watch The Simpsons. I mean, they were right, but it still, still, still shouldn't prevent you from watching it. I had to hear about them from every other kid on the bus because I was the only one that didn't watch them. Yeah. So when you're learning all those dance moves for Dirty Dancing, would you say you had the time of your life? I, I did have the time of my life, yeah. I was actually hoping that the young lady did because I was really trying to set an example. Well, judges, can we continue to keep these contestants on despite their disqualifiers? Well done. Congratulations. You can stay on the show. Let's move on to round two. Round two. Round two is a game called Eight is Enough. In this game, I will ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer, which is up to the judge's discretion. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments and putting those judges in their place. The player who currently has the power, that's you, Megan, gets to choose between two questions to answer. Players take turns answering the questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. Steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. You cannot lose points for an incorrect answer. However, all questions must be given an answer no matter how incorrect they may be. So if you don't know the answer, just make something up and either make it entertaining or give us uh, either, either the answer of Wesley or Snarf. either works the winner of round two will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three megan you get to pick between these two questions will it be military propaganda but the fun kind which is a movie question or will it be shut up wesley which is a television question. Oh, we're going to have to go with Shut Up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. Star Trek The Next Generation was such a success on its own that many fans prefer it to the original series. Steve is shaking his head. The cast of extremely talented actors compounded with the popularity of the original series worked well for old and new fans alike. The show went on to spawn movies, spinoffs, and the continued Star Trek storyline that we still have going on today. The crew was jam-packed with characters and stars that fans of the show loved, but two were the only characters that appeared in all 178 episodes of the series. Name these two characters. Oh, is it a multiple choice? (laughs) Not multiple choice. No! Oh, no! Have you seen the show? Are you familiar with the show Next Generation? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I'm just kind of racking my brain. I'm thinking about, well, we know it wasn't Tasha because she got killed off pretty early. <laughs> um, All right, so 
I, and I know they swapped doctors, so I know it's not that. I'm going to go with Picard and Riker. That is correct. Oh, yeah, I did it. Well done. <laughs> That's two points. I was like, I remember a couple that Troy wasn't in, so that was my... Right. All right. Sir Patrick Stewart and Jonathan Frakes were the only next-gen cast members to appear in every single episode of the series. Steve, this question is for you. This question is called Military Propaganda. But the fun kind is a movie question. When Tom Cruise was first approached about doing Top Gun, he wasn't 100% sure he wanted the role. Producer Jerry Bruckheimer arranged for him to fly with the Blue Angels at a Navy air facility near a shooting location where Cruise was working. The pilots took Cruise for quite a ride, as it turns out. He got off the plane, ran to the phone, and called up Bruckheimer and accepted the role. The movie was the highest grossing film of 1986 and went on to get four Academy Award nominations that year although it only won one for Best Original Song. Which song on the Top Gun soundtrack won the movie's only Oscar? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Take My Breath Away by Berlin? B, Danger Zone by Kenny Loggins? C, You've Lost That Love and Feeling by The Righteous Brothers? Or D, you know what? We won't insult your intelligence by suggesting it could have been playing with the boys. So the answer is either A, B, or C. It is a, Take My Breath Away by Berlin. That is correct. It should have been the... B. <laughs> <laughs> that song's way better. Yeah, I don't know if it's worth an Academy Award, Berlin. <laughs> Everyone loves an 80s power ballad. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Did you know that the actual Top Gun school charges a $5 fine to anyone who quotes the movie Top Gun? But really, I think it's the editors of Top Gun who should have been charged a $5 fine every time they use Take My Breath Away riff in the movie. Okay, Megan, you still have the power. The score is tied two to two. Megan, you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be what's in a name, which is a movie question, or oh boy, which is a television question? Well, the TV one worked for me last time, so we'll go with oh boy. In Quantum Leap, Scott Bakula plays a quantum physicist who, when his life's project is facing loss of funding, attempts to travel back in time. He succeeds. Sort of. He manages to travel in time, but is always attempting to get home. Each episode ends with him making another quantum leap. Throughout the five seasons of the show's original run, our main character, Sam Beckett, returns to one year seven times, making it the most leaped year during the series. Can you name the year? This is the multiple choice. I don't need the multiple choice. So certain are you. I think you do. It's 1958. So I heard you guys talk about this on your podcast. And I looked <laughs> oh, it up. No. And it's ever wrong. I'm incorrect. <laughs> oh, no. My hubris has brought me down. Oh, man. Shall we edit that part out of the episode? <laughs> no, leave it. Okay. And leave this whole th leave this whole thing. I'm embarrassed. It's hilarious. Oh, Steve Hall, I have failed. <laughs> we had our fact checkers look it up just to be sure because I, I I was listening to your show on Quantum Leap, and I'm like, wait a second, I have a question very similar to that, and uh, the answer is different. Let's go over the multiple choice. Is it A, 1957, B, 1977, C, 1987, or is it D? 1969. 69, dudes! Yeah, I think it's 57. I think I was off by a year. I think it's 57. 1957 is correct. That's two more points for you. What can we say? The television industry loves the 50s. Dean Stockwell stars in Quantum Leap alongside Bakula as Al, Sam's best friend, 
who's always smoking cigars. According to Stockwell, the cigars were his idea, saying it was a good way to get free cigars for five years. <laughs> you can see how well we do research for our show. <laughs> we don't have fact checkers. <laughs> hey, you got the answer right, though, Megan, oh, on this show. Dear. At least. <laughs> That's true. At least I got it right here. Okay, Steve, this question's for you. It's called What's in a Name? It is a movie question. Splash was the first film released under the Touchstone Pictures label, which was created by Disney so they could explore the more adult-friendly films. The movie was a critical and commercial hit and helped launch a relatively unknown Tom Hank into stardom, at least on the big screen it did. But Splash's cultural impact went even further than that. Here's the question. What now popular girl's name was almost non-existent before being written in as a joke in Splash? The answer is Madison. Madison's correct. What's your name? It's hard to say in English. Well, just say in your language. My name is... Hey, how about those Knicks? It's the uh, Jennifer of 2000s, I think. Yes. Mm -hmm. When Daryl Hannah's character is trying to come up with a human name for herself, she sees a sign for Madison Avenue and chooses the name Madison. Kim, where are we? Madison. Uh, Elizabeth. Mads. Samantha. Madison, I like Madison. Well, Madison's not a name. Well, all right. Okay, fine. Madison it is. Good thing we weren't at 149th Street. By year 2001, it was the second most popular girl's name in the United States. Today, it remains one of the top 30 most popular names for girls, and the movie Splash is largely credited for this trend. You're welcome, millennials. <laughs> so the score is tied four points apiece. Megan, you have retained the power, and you get a pick between these two questions. Will it be Jumping the Shark, which is a television question, or will it be Cinema Soundcheck, which is a head-to-head -head challenge? Oh, that sounds fun. Let's do the head-to-head. -head. All right. It is fun. At least the judges think so. For this question, I will give you the titles of tracks of a musical score of a popular movie from Generation X, and you need to tell me the title that the movie is from. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player, given a new movie title on each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. Okay, Megan, this is your question, so you get to go first. Here's the clues. IMDb lists this film as an adventure comedy animation it was rated pg and was released in 1988 song number one is a track called hungarian rhapsody parentheses dueling pianos what movie is that from megan is it who framed roger rabbit holy crap that's correct are you kidding me after the first title that's impossible. We yeah. we did that. We did that on our show. We did Roger Rabbit. <laughs> no, it's it's okay. It's kind of an on-running joke in the show is the judges get really pissed because the contestants have been able to get this game after so few clues and they do all this research <laughs> and effort to make the game. Oh. And it's gone gone for nothing. That is correct. But it's okay. Judges, I'm, I'm glad so you got sorry. it. Would you have got it if it only said Hungarian Rhapsody? No. <laughs> judges, I told you. What? Well, let's go through the rest and see if the listeners where they would have picked up on it. Song two was called The Will. Song three was Maroon Cartoon. Four was The Gag Factory. Five, The Weasels. Six, Jessica's Theme. If you didn't get it by then, it was Judge Doom. And finally, song eight was Toontown. 
Here's the fun fact. While Who Framed Roger Rabbit was released under Disney's Touchstone label, the writers wanted the tunes in the movie to be representative of all the iconic cartoons through the years, not just the ones that Disney owned. Warner Brothers agreed to let Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck appear, but according to the agreement, they would be given equal screen time as Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. In fact, what could be considered the two most famous cartoon characters of all time have only ever officially been drawn in the same shot happened here in this movie. So well done. You have six points, Megan. Steve, you have four, but you get this question to try and tie it up. It's called Jumping the Shark. Happy Days is one of the most culturally relevant sitcoms in television history. It was the on-screen debut for Robin Williams. It inspired the phrase Jumping the Shark, as well as two of his stars, Ron Howard and Henry Winkler, remaining major players in American entertainment industry today. The show and his characters were so popular that it generated five spinoffs. Can you name at least three of these spinoff shows? I'm not a big Happy Days person, but um, let's see. Laverne and Shirley, um, Mork and Mindy, and Joni Loves Chachi? Question mark? I don't I think she does love Chachi. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Me and Blue Eyes, wah, wah, wah. Yes, those are correct. Well done. That's two more points. While not all were successful, Laverne and Shirley and Mork and Mindy were considered commercial and critical hits. The other two were shows called Out of the Blue and Blansky's Beauties. Out of the Blue tried to capture the vibes of Mork's appearance on Happy Days with, and Robin Williams as Mork was in the pilot to help bridge the show. Blansky's Beauties answered the overwhelming demand by fans for answers to what happened to Howard Cunningham's cousin 20 years after her appearance on Happy Days. Spoilers, not much happened. The show was canceled after only 13 episodes. The score remains tied at six points apiece. Husband versus wife going toe to toe. Let's see if we can break that as we go to our final questions. So Megan, you can pick between these two questions. Will it be the plane, the plane? Sorry, let me do it again. <clears throat> the plane, the plane, which is a television question. Or will it be name that auto tune, which is another head to head challenge? Oh, we're going to have to go head to head again and name that auto tune. I thought you would have jumped at the plane to plane. I almost did. <laughs> this is name that auto tune. For this question, the judges will perform part of a popular Gen X song, your favorite, and you will have to give me the title and artist of the song. Yes, big eyes on Megan right now. I have a bad feeling about this. The catch here is that the judges are terrible performers. And they will also be using an awful fake British accent to make things sound more confusing and silly than is necessary. Just like the regular British people do sometimes. There are a total of three songs that you'll take turns answering with the regular rules applying for stealing the power as well as stealing points. So that means this question could potentially be worth up to five points to one of you. So anything can still happen. Megan, this first song is for you. It's a song from 1986, which Wikipedia calls a dance pop song. Okay. Daddy, daddy. If you could only see just how good he's been treating me, you'd give us your blessing right now. Cause we are in love. We are in love. Who's the artist and what is the title of that song, Megan? Is it Pat Benatar, Love is a Battlefield? Ah, mm. oh, that was incorrect. I, <laughs> I was rooting for you, Megan. I want you to get one I of have, these. I have literally no idea. I well, should have picked the plane. <laughs> Yeah, you're a bit of a disadvantage here. Steve, here's your golden opportunity to get a point, take lead in this game, and steal the power. All right. Is it Madonna, Papa Don't Preach? Let's listen to the original and see if you're right. Oh, 
Well done, Steve. That is correct. You've stolen the power. Right. The power. And you got a point. I have the power. <laughs> I feel like you've been waiting the whole show to say that. I have. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's more bad news for you, Megan. This question goes to Steve. If he gets this correct, he's going to take a commanding lead in the game. Let's see if you can get it, Steve. This is a song from 1981. And Wikipedia calls this a soft rock song. So a bit of a wrinkle in this one. The last bit of the judge's version of the song here is not the actual lyrics of the song, but the judges thought you might need a little hint buried within their rendition of the song. I'm not sure that if this is going to help you or hurt you in getting this one or not, but, but I thought it'd be fair warning all the same. Here's the judge's version. But I know the reason why you keep this silence up. No, you don't fool me. The hurt doesn't show, but the pain still grows. It's no stranger to you and me. Insert drum solo here. For mm. a three-point lead, artisan title. I got nothing. So we have a rule on the show. Is you, I gotta everything give has answer. to have an answer. Yeah, or else, just like in you can't do that on television, if you say, I don't know, you get slimed. Um, 81, I am going to go with, I don't know, Rocky theme. I, I have no, uh, 81's a bit early for me. That is incorrect. Mm. Megan, golden opportunity. To steal the power back and tie the game. This is the moment of truth in this game for you. No pressure. But that, if you get this, it'd be great. That's never going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> is, it like, never... is it like hearing static? Like nothing's even ringing a bell? I don't even know. Anything. I'm sorry. Now I'm going to get slimed too. Yeah. Golden Retriever. <laughs> I... <laughs> golden Retriever judges. Is that close enough? I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's hear the full oh, version. Man. Let's hear a clip of it and see uh, if you guys can get it here in the original. Okay. I'd like to say that anyone listening to this episode who did not do air drums right at that appropriate moment, I think your Gen X credentials might need to be revoked. I'm just saying. Okay, no one got that one. Megan, you're still alive. You can take the lead if you get this answer correct, which means you get to pick the prize that the two of you will be playing for in round three. I believe in you, Megan. You can get this one. Song three is also a song from 1981 and is also a soft rock genre, according to Wikipedia. Our last song will not require an artist to be named, but will also accept a correct answer if you can tell us what show that this theme song is from. Okay. Oh, okay. We're going to level the playing field here a little bit. Here we go. Let's listen to the judge's rendition. Give me the title, and if you can give me the title of the show, we'll, we'll honor it. Just like the light of a new day, it hit me from out of the blue, breaking me out of the spell I was in, making all of my wishes come true. That song is from what show? Is it, is it, um, greatest American hero? Is it believe it or not? I'm walking on air. Does that come next? Let's listen to the original version and see if you're right. All right. I don't know if Sorry. the judge's version was worse than ours, but that is a correct <laughs> answer. So 
Well done. You've taken the lead, Megan, by answering a music question. (laughs) Who would have thunk it? So here's the fun fact on this one. Uh, If you came up with the artist Joey Scarberry, then Mm. you are truly the greatest American hero. Even if you are one of our two British listeners, you're still the greatest American hero. It's very impressive. Most impressive. So here's the last question of the game. This is relevant because, Megan, you have a one-point lead, eight points to seven. Steve, if you get this... You have the power. You'll win the game. You'll pick the prize and go first in Dysfunctional Family Feud. And Megan, you might want to consider the power struggle answer. So this question is for you, Steve. It's called The Plane, The Plane, which is a television question. Fresh off the set of Star Trek, The Wrath of Khan, Ricardo Montalban introduced us to Mr. Rourke, the mysterious overseer of Fantasy Island. Along with his sidekick tattoo, Mr. Rourke could allow anyone to live out their fantasies on his magical island. For a reasonable fee, of course. Which actor with an established aura of mystery did the network want to play Mr. Rourke before the executive producer rejected him in favor of Ricardo Montalban? This is a multiple choice. Is it A, Rod Sterling? B, Orson Welles? C, Leonard Nimoy? D, Gene Wilder? Or was it E, Gary Coleman? What you talking about, Willis? (laughs) It was B, Orson Welles. That is correct. Well done. The network pushed to cast Orson Welles as Mr. Rourke, but executive producer Aaron Spelling knew about the actor's irritable nature on set. This wasn't the only hassle the network presented with Spelling with. When he first pitched the show to ABC executives, it was only as a joke. After the network shot down six consecutive pitches from Spelling, he finally exclaimed, What do you want? An island that people go to and all their sexual fantasies can be realized? The executives love that idea, and the show was put into production. Congratulations, Steve. You've won the game on that Orson Welles answer, and that means you get to pick the prize that we're playing for in round two. I'm going to just take it with, you know, style and grace. (laughs) I don't like your attitude right now. Your smug, smug attitude. (laughs) Or your tone. (laughs) Megan, before we move to round three, do you want to try and get the power struggle question? Listen, we can try. After you read all the stuff, I kind of want your listeners to get it, but I'll I'll, I'll <laughs> give it a shot. Okay, let's give one more listen to the power struggle. And Megan, as a last ditch effort to steal the power, let's see if you can get it. Hello. Hey, hey, hey. Are you suggesting that I'm not who I say I am? I'm suggesting that you leave before I have to get snooty. He tasks me and I shall have him. I have to push the Pramalot. Okay, Megan, in order, name those five clips. Okay. I don't think that I have this correct, but I'll go for it. Go for it. Number one, we talked about SNL. I'm going to guess SNL for it. Number two, Fat Albert. Number three, Ferris Bueller. Number four, Young Frankenstein. And number five, Monty Python. Okay. I'm not I'm sorry, wrong anyway. That's, <laughs> that's okay. You got three of the five correct, though. Oh, that's not bad. That's better yeah. than I thought I would do. All right. It was a valiant effort. Absolutely. So, listeners, that means that this episode's power struggle has not been solved. And we're going to turn it over to you. We'll tell you how you can get in touch with the show and claim your prize package if you can get it correct. So, Steve, congratulations for winning round two. We're going to put your opponent in the phantom zone. 
while you and I take a secret trip to the prize vault where you're going to p- select the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Gilligan's Planet will return after these messages. Our bodies come in different shapes and sizes, so doesn't it make sense that our weight loss plans should too? That's the beauty of Noom. They build a personal plan that factors in dietary restrictions, medical issues, and other personal needs so your plan works for you. Noom doesn't restrict or shame when you want to treat yourself. Their flexible program focuses on progress. Instead of perfection, you don't have to give up carbs or anything. And with their daily lessons, you can learn something new about your food choices every day. After just a few days of using the app, I learned how to recognize cues for overeating and how to choose the right foods to feel full. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M. Dot com and check out Noom's first ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for a hundred healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing to future episodes. Positive reviews truly does make a difference in the algorithms podcast platforms use to suggest new shows to their users. So if you're so inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. And if you know someone who's a Gen Xer that might like this content, feel free to share it with them as well. Thanks so much. And now back to Gilligan's Planet. Round three. Round three is a prize round called Dysfunctional Family Feud. In this final round, I will ask the same five survey questions, family feud style to each player in turn, and they need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the Generation X timeline. That's the 70s, 80s, and early 90s. These are actual survey questions taken from actual people from Generation X that have been quizzed by the show via Facebook and our newsletter. The player who has the power, that's you, Steve, gets to answer first with player two unable to hear the responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five survey questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever gets more points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance of their prize that has been selected in secret by Steve. So quick announcement here before we start. It has been pointed out that more people would like to take part in the Dysfunctional Family Feud surveys, but do not have access to add their voice to the answers. Well, here's your chance. Sign up for a newsletter today, and it will include a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Share your Gen X knowledge with the world or see if your answers end up in the honorable mention segment. It's great fun either way. This is also the spot to submit questions or segment ideas, ask for a shout out to a loved ones on the show, as well as inquire about becoming a contestant on the show. If that was not already enough for you, the newsletter also has a place for you to answer the power struggle question if our guests did not get it right, which they didn't this episode. All right, that's enough of that. Let's play Dysfunctional Family Feud. Megan, you're going to go back into the Phantom Zone. All right. All right, Steve, you get one pass. Pro tip, make sure you use your pass. Your time will begin. After I finish reading the first question, name a best friend character on a TV show from the 1980s. Tubbs. Does that work? Am I in the right? I, I love that. I love that okay. answer. Okay. Anytime, anytime you can get the word Tubbs in on your podcast, you should try and get it. <laughs> question two, name a movie that is spun off from a sketch on Saturday Night Live. The Ladies Man. Name a popular breakfast cereal mascot. Captain Crunch. 
What was your best excuse for getting out of school? Sick. And the last question is, name a popular song by Michael Jackson. Thriller. Let's welcome Megan back in from the Phantom Zone. So, Megan, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Steve. You may not duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this. I'll ask you for another answer. It's a little bit more difficult. So you have two passes. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Name a best friend character on a TV show from the 1980s. Boner. Schwing. This is a family show, Megan. I don't know why that's the first one that came to my brain. I'm sorry. Question two. (laughs) Name a movie that has spun off from a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Wayne's World. Next is name a popular breakfast cereal mascot. Tony the Tiger. What was your best excuse for getting out of school? Uh, I don't feel good. Judges, judges say you need to be more specific. Oh, um, I threw up. The, the judges are asking you to be even more specific. Okay. Well, one time I threw up on my principal and that got me out of school completely. Judges, I have that, the flu. Is that better? Judges, I don't think is that specific can. enough? Come on, give her a break. <laughs> she never wore those shoes again. And the last question is, name a popular song by Michael Jackson. Thriller? Try again. Billy Jean. Okay, let's go to the answers. All right. Question one was, name a best friend character from a TV show in the 1980s. Steve, you gave us Tubbs from Miami Vice, but I'm sorry that did not make the survey. It is worth zero points. Megan, you gave us Boner. (laughs) And that was the number one answer worth 28 points. What? That's amazing. What? (laughs) Growing pain. What kind of nonsense? Oh my goodness. The number one answer was Boner because... Of course, that's what a bunch of Gen Xers would say. Because people just wanted to type in the word boner. They wanted to type in the word boner on the internet. Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. You know, we get information from these surveys from our listeners via our newsletter, and we sometimes get some interesting replies. So I'd like to give some of these honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to the two people that said either Kate or Allie. And the one vote for Screech had to be thrown out because he was never anybody's best friend. Oh, Oh, that's sad. No, no tubs, no Miami Vice love. What's no, going on with that? No tubs. Not even and one of them. Not even like, I, I was surprised too. So listen, I, I'm going to argue that Violet and Screech were best friends because he did date Tori Spelling for a bit. So he did have one friend for like three episodes. Judges, are we going to allow it? Okay, we're going to allow it. <laughs> well done. Question two, name a movie that spun off from a sketch on Saturday Night Live. Steve, you gave us... Ladies' man, it did not make the survey. Sorry, that's worth <laughs> zero points as well. Megan, you gave us Wayne's World, which was the number one answer again, worth 32 points. Bringing the score, Megan was 60, and Steve yet to get on the board. Honorable mentions go to the fan fiction film someone put out there called Mango Takes Manhattan. <laughs> Is that a real fan fiction film? No, no, it's not. Crap out of that movie. (laughs) Yeah, I'd watch it too. Yeah, it's just Uh, Chris Catan. Question three was name a popular breakfast cereal mascot. Steve, you gave us Captain Crunch. You're on the board with the number four answer, worth sixteen points. On the board. 
Megan, you gave us Tony the Tiger, which was once again the number one answer worth 95 points. Shout yep. out to the one person who thought Smokey the Bear was a serial mascot. <laughs> Only you can prevent hunger. <laughs> <laughs> so the score is now Megan with 95. Steve slightly behind with 16. We're going to go to question number four, which was what was the best excuse for getting out of school? Megan, you gave us after several chances throwing up. <laughs> Which is actually one of our one of our honorable mentions that two people said. So it's only worth two points. All right. Bringing you to 97. Steve, you made us sick. And that was the number three answer worth 20 points. Everybody loves to come back. Yep. <laughs> There's one in the brewing. So the number one answer was tummy ache. Tummy ache. Oh. You can't really prove tummy aches, right? So mm-hmm. that was the number one answer. We had too many honorable mentions to read <laughs> for this one, as you might imagine. But some of the highlights range between the surf was too good to I was too hungover. <laughs> there was one vote for I couldn't sleep. Yeah, they frown at that in school. And there were two different recipes for making fake vomit to put in the toilet to fake your parents. So that's why you got the two points there, Megan. Nice. But the most Gen X answer had to be I didn't need an excuse because my parents were already gone by the time I got up and had to go to school by myself every day. So we're going to go to the final question, which was name a popular song by Michael Jackson. Megan, you gave us the number three answer with Billie Jean, and it was worth 18 points, bringing you to a grand total of 115 points. Anything over 100 is a resounding success. So congratulations, Megan, on your breaking 100. And it comes down to Steve's answer of Thriller. Which was the number one answer, by the way, but wasn't enough points. You need 79 points to tie. What did Gen X say? Survey said. I'm sorry, it's only worth 31 points. Bringing you to a grand total of 67 to Megan's 115. That means, Megan, congratulations, you've won the game. And you're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. I can't believe that Boner helped me win. (laughs) Thanks to episodes of Growing Pains I was allowed to watch before my parents figured out it wasn't a good show for me. (laughs) (laughs) It's a great show. If your conscience is clean, winning with Boner, I'm okay with that, I guess. (laughs) It's not. Oh, man. Steve, it was a close game throughout the, the whole episode here. I'm sorry things didn't turn out the way that maybe were, you were hoping for, but did you have a good time anyways? I did. Yeah, I had a great time. Thanks for having me. And the good news is, if we win the prize here in the prize vault, it's still going to the same house. So you can, There's no winner. real winners. Yeah, or there's no real losers. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's a winner. <laughs> Speaking of the prize vault, let's take a trip there now. For winning round three, I offer a chance of a prize by me placing bids on my eBay watch list on the winner's behalf. I will place multiple bids on the listing chosen in secret by Steve until I am the high bidder. If that bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy that item for the winner and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Let's take a look at all the prizes that Steve had to choose from and reveal what he chose. As is show tradition, we have Garbage Pail Kids cards, Slimy Steve as a big ball of goo, and Pagan Megan, which features a picture of some sort of virgin sacrifice about to take place. Oh, no. Oh, gosh. Next is this queen-size duvet cover that will make your comforter look like the Borg Cube from Star Trek The Next Generation. I think it's kind of silly to think that anyone who would want a Star Trek-themed bed would need a bed big enough for two people to roll around in. 
but I think it's still cool. Speaking of Star Trek, to honor the passing of our beloved Nichelle Nichols this past week, we offer this hand-signed 3x7 card of the series legend who played Lieutenant Uhura. She did indeed live long and prospered. Next, we have your choice of Star Trek The Next Generation Pez Dispensers. You can choose either a rad-looking USS Enterprise or the other one is of William Riker and looks like a figure of Jonathan Frakes. It is unclear what part of the body that the Pez comes out of Mr. Frakes, but I think finding <laughs> out would be half the fun. Hey, guys. Remember when Halloween costumes would come in the big box and contains basically a vinyl tarp with a mask? Well, picture the creepiest mask of Scott Bayo you can imagine, and then you'll have a picture of what this vintage Chachi mask looks like. <laughs> the vinyl tarp is not included in this listing. And finally, we have a decal sticker from 1987 signifying that its owner participated in a Top Gun shooting event. And nothing says Gen X Top Gun more than a participation award. So, Steve, please tell us what item you picked and why. I chose the signed Nichelle Nichols picture in honor of her recent passing. Okay. I think that was a, a great choice. There's already one bid on here. So the bidding war has already begun. I hate it when there's already a bid because that means <laughs> who knows how much it's going to cost me. But let's bid this sucker up. Uh-oh. It started at nine at $8. It's up to $9.50. Let's bid again. Oh, crap. $10.50. Uh-oh. You're in a war. Yeah. Eleven fifty. Twelve fifty. Holy crap. Let's go to fourteen bucks. Fourteen fifty. Oh my goodness. Sixteen fifty. You know, my wife told me once, what if somebody has like really wants an item and bids a lot of money? You're gonna be on the hook for it. I said, What are the odds of that happening? Let's bid up to eighteen dollars. Oh no. Twenty dollars. Steve, you couldn't have picked the Pez dispenser for crying out loud. Oh, crap. We bid it up to 25 bucks, too. So if this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I will buy this for you and send it out to you. Good luck. Oh, my goodness. Why did I hit 25 bucks? I could have just done 21 bucks. Oh, well. You totally blew it, dude. Hey, guys. Tell the listeners a little bit more about your podcast and your books, if you'd like, and, and where they can find your rad show and your projects. So Stop Ruining My Childhood is a sometimes nostalgic, sometimes cynical, hopefully always humorous look back at pop culture. So we revisit movies, cartoons, live action TV. We have a cycle. So we do one each week and we ask the question, does this hold up or did I just ruin my childhood? There we go. We started it because we would be enjoying something and the other person would make fun of it. And uh, the person enjoying it would say, stop ruining my childhood. And we love pop culture and we love sharing it with uh, our listeners. You can find us at stopruiningmychildhood.com. All of our links to listen are there. Really, wherever you find your podcasts, our books, I have a book, Smothered, and a book, Sutherland, and a couple books for... um. YA and for kids, you can find those on Amazon. MC Hall is my author name. And my latest novel is called Killer Curriculum. It's a detective mystery and it's under uh, my pen name, which is Douglas Alexander. And it's on Amazon. We'll have the links to your show and your books, all of your projects in the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We had a great time. 
thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices for your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like the show, you can join us on Facebook and our Facebook group of the same name. We post fun Gen X content there every day, and the community gets into some lively topics that I'm sure you'll enjoy. If you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. Contributions there go directly towards keeping the show going, offering better prizes for the contestants, and all-around improvement for future episodes. At our Patreon site, you'll see special offers for becoming a contributor to the show, so take advantage of those if you're interested. For those of you who'd like to support the show but don't want to use Patreon, we now offer our Venmo for your convenience. You can find us at Who Will Save Gen X on your Venmo account, if that is your preference. If you like what we're doing here and you want to do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten, you can contribute there. If not, please consider us next time. In either case, thanks so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our newsletter, Venmo, Patreon, whatever, or the links about our guests, you can check out the show notes. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. Well, that's it for the episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to subscribe to the show for future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. If I lose, then I'll just divorce her. I feel like you've been waiting the whole show to say that. I have. <laughs> Shut up, Wesley. Why did I sign a 30-year contract? Steve, you couldn't have picked the Pez dispenser for crying out loud. The ladies' man. I likened myself a young Patrick Swayze. Oh, oh that's sad. No. Mango takes Manhattan. Only you can prevent hunger. Stop ruining my childhood. I was too hungover. She never wore those shoes again. Or was it E, Gary Coleman? Cubs. I don't need the multiple choice. So anything can still happen. I well, should have really? picked the plane. Shall we edit that part out of the episode? I don't like your attitude right now. <laughs> your smug, smug attitude. Insect drum solo here. Everyone loves an 80s power ballad. I need more cowbell. Would you say you had the time of your life? I, I did have the time of my life, yes. Boner. You're welcome, millennials. The plane, the plane. I'm going to just take it with, you know, style and grace. What do you want? An island that people go to and all their sexual fantasies can be realized? I can't believe that Boner helped me win. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. 
And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.